All right, welcome back to Tales from the Pits. We're coming to you live from Gatlin's Barbecue here in Houston, uh, one of the barbecue joints at the forefront of Houston Barbecue's uprising in the last six or seven years. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, our first barbecue experiences that kind of got us started on this path of you know traveling all over the state, eating barbecue, eventually making our own barbecue, and, and kind of what what got each of us into this so much that you know that now that's basically what we do with every ounce of free time we have these days it seems yeah you know uh when we talk about where we go and why and and the kind of thrill of the hunt you know a long time ago and in our world anyway they're just we left houston we had to go outside of houston to go find these places and of course you can see in the top 50 list now there's and there's places that didn't make the top 50 that are quality as well the, the, the landscape has changed quite a bit over the last five, ten years even, especially if you look back to uh, seven, eight years ago, really. And, and what happened seven or eight years ago was, you know, the big one, Franklin, came aboard. Uh, really changed uh, changed the bar, changed the baseline, and, and made a, a whole different expectation of what quality barbecue is. Um, right. I mean, G- Gatlin's was around right about the time of the of the Franklin startup. Um, they were one of the originals of the Renaissance of Houston barbecue. They were in a little little space on uh, 19th Street, I believe, in, in Heights. Uh, a tiny little house. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the tiniest little spot. If you've ever been to Truth Barbecue, it's about that size. Um, you know, just a with less of, parking. Yeah, with, with even less parking, if you can imagine that. Um, but you know, started off serving you know just you know really good brisket. Um, you know, really good size. The dirty rice is one of the most popular things around here. Uh, we actually just ate it about 20 minutes ago. Um, but the it's, venison sausage was always one of my favorites. Right. I believe the venison comes from uh, B&W Meat Market, um, right down the road from them now on Ella. Um, they serve a lot of barbecue sausage around the city. Um, I think Brooks uses that as well. Brooks starting place. about starting about 2009, Brooks Brooks opened up and he's he's selling the venison sausage as well. Right. Last time I checked. Yeah. Right. I mean, not to digress too much, but that that was that was the origins of this startup startup of Houston barbecue. Now, obviously, you have seven great barbecue joints that are on the list, and as Brian mentioned, you know, even more barbecue joints that didn't make the list that are serving really, just really good food. Um, but, uh, that's that's kind of where Houston barbecue is and where it's going right now is, is the, the quality out there has just grown and grown and uh, you just kind of wonder if and when it's going to slow down. Um, not that you want it to, but the market's getting so crowded now with uh, with options that it's you got to make some really tough dining decisions these days. Whereas before, you you know you only had a couple of joints you even wanted to go to in Houston for a long time. And saturation is a word that that's been used in Austin, but every time somebody says that, somebody opens up and is successful. So yeah. I think there's still some underserved areas of Houston. Um, I, I think there's definitely some opportunities in and around town. Um, you know, and I'd like to see it continue to grow. What's really changed for us in, the, in barbecue road tripping is that you know we don't have to go out and make these all day long road trips to get that quality of barbecue. Right, and that's you know, and that's one of the things that started uh, even even grew more when when Killen's Barbecue burst onto the scene here in Houston. Uh, they started their pop ups in 2013. Uh, he started doing them first out of the steakhouse, the old steakhouse, which is now the hamburger joint. Our Killen's got kind of an umpire, so to to, to go through the <laughs> the laundry list of the different places and their different iterations takes a while. But uh, but yeah, Killen started doing the pop-ups in 2013 and I was at the first one and it, it was 
it was a pretty memorable experience. Um, there was nothing like it you could get in Houston. I mean, the closest thing to what Killen was doing was what you found in Austin. I mean, it was Franklin Barbecue-esque. Well, definitely that excitement around the pop-ups just very quick and grew very fast. The lines, you know, it was probably, and I know Gatlin's is an example, especially back in the road location, headlines before they opened. Right. Um, but it, it seemed like that was what really got the attention of the media, um, plus what, what he was doing and, and the meats he was using and the quality of meats. Of course, he was focused on comparing himself and to Franklin and trying to be the best in the state. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah. very exciting time in Houston barbecue right there. Yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie Killen made no bones about it. When he, when he started doing the pop-ups, his goal was to be the best barbecue around. Um, he had a very successful steakhouse. You know, he, he didn't have to open another restaurant. Um, but you know, barbecue is something that he had, he had had a barbecue joint uh, much earlier in his career um, and, and wanted to start it back up again. And he came right out of the gates firing with quality meats, quality sides. It was it was everything you could want in a barbecue menu, and still is obviously. Um, but he he really set the bar in Houston, and you know, and made made other barbecue pitmasters have to step up their game, and and plenty have. And now you know we're we're fortunate as eaters to to get to enjoy and, and how much it's grown. And, and Ronnie Killen was a big part of that growth. And definitely, a, 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 you know, the food itself and the site, the location, not necessarily where it's located, but getting down there and, and enjoying a day, uh, beating the lines, if you can beat the lines. You know, the trick to, the trick to Killens is to skip the lunch rush a little bit later in the afternoon. Right. Well, especially now, they're open for dinner now, so uh, you really don't have to rush down there at, you know, 10 in the morning to, to go get a barbecue. Uh, the last two times I've been to Killens, I've been there between, I don't know, 2.30, 3, 3 o'clock, something like that, and I've been able to get pretty much the full menu both times, no line, walk right in, order my food, and got to eat, which is, you know, a treat anywhere in Texas these days if you can get barbecue of that quality that late in the day. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Killens definitely was one of the standard bearers for for Houston barbecue, uh, but let's dive into it. Let's get into you know what what got you into this, Brian. What what made you start on this path of you know barbecue becoming more than just something you'd eat when you were hungry and didn't feel like cooking. Right. So you know I, I grew up in Texas. I'm gonna tap you on the shoulder just to keep reminding you of that. Um, but I grew up in Texas, and unfortunately, I had a lot of really bad barbecue. Uh, you know, in my youth. Um, most of it in Austin came from a, a chain place that's probably more famous for their chicken fried steak and iced tea, or sorry, sweet tea. fried chicken and sweet tea than, than their barbecue. Um, you know, fat caps cut off, gray meat, pretty flavorless. That's a lot of what I grew up with. Occasional trips to Lockhart or Luling, um, you know, and trips out to Salt Lake. I remember, you know, it, it, I'm not going to say this was my penultimate place to visit or, or experience, but those trips out to Salt Lake. The smells, the sights, the sound, that whole experience of barbecue really came into play. The show pit. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and really, if we have to be technical, I think the grill's not even pits. But then again, what is a pit and what is a grill? You know, definitely people would argue with that. Um, but those were, those were fun and those were interesting. And also uh, the county line back when, um, county line out when it was truly in the country. And I remember they had big glass windows, and they put biscuits out on the or rolls out on the trees. The deer would come up. Very experiential places, um, but none of those rocked my world like Louis Miller. So my my first big visit that just you know the the skies parted was Louis Miller, 
and it starts, of course, you know, you walk into that building, um, you know, the renovated basketball, um, not a stadium, basketball arena, basketball hall. Gym. Gym, there you go. go. Thank you, Jim, yeah. Um, You know, you go in there, and and the screen door, when you first open, of course, the smoked, all of the smoked walls and and the business cards on the wall, get in line, and you go, for whatever reason, you have to go past the ice machine <laughs> as you're in line you see the menu written in butcher paper you know and that at the time that was pretty rare yeah that wasn't a hipster thing it was what they did yeah, yeah. i mean it was it was out of necessity and not out of trying to emulate anything else um and you and you get in there and then it was it was the samples that it, this isn't what made it great but this is that moment of truth literally when you know they hand you the sample it's like communion in in, in church you know, you're all shuffling along the line, and the, the little beam of be- light from the skylight that's not covered in smoke beaming down on you. And, yeah. it, and it literally was like that. I mean, it was this: you take this bite, and you know, the pepper, the fat, the salt, and the meat, and the smoke, of course, that, that's infused in there as well. And it just was like, you know, literally, the, the the building opened up, and a rainbow popped out, and there were unicorns crashing rainbows. It was just, it was just like. Was I this during the this. summertime? Because it might have been heat stroke. Because there's no AC inside of Louis Miller. And and you know it was. Um, that was part of it. But it, it's just that that pow moment, and and you know I I've, I've been on the record as, as saying a shockwave of flavor, but it, it really does. It resonates through your whole body, and it's that. It's just that wow, and it's it's like a drug, okay. And and yes, you begin chasing the dragon because you're looking for that over and over again. Um, you don't get it as often because once you know what level that is, right? It's not a shock right. anymore. It's, it's exciting when you hit that level again, but yeah, it's it's hard to surpass that that first wow barbecue experience. It really is. Right, and and unfortunately, I guess, and unfairly, more important. There's places that, you know, you expect a certain level of barbecue from now. And, it, it's again, I don't think it's fair because I go to those places, and if it's not, oh, my God, wow, this is incredible, then I, I do get disappointed. But the place that I think is in most people's minds for that type of experience or their first really big one barbecue, especially if they're from out of state, is that that's, I think, your first oh wow one, right? Yep, and uh, people laugh when I tell them, but uh, it was July 2nd, 2011. I, yes, I know the date. I, I can tell you the time. It's probably around 11.30 in the morning. Uh, this uh, We're talking about Franklin Barbecue here. Just uh, back in the trailer days. No, no, no. This no, was, they were in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah I believe they, I, I want to say they opened the restaurant uh, about the beginning of 2011. So uh, they hadn't been in the restaurant long. Uh, John Lewis was still there. Um, it was it was a very small operation. It was you know, either it, the first probably five or ten times I went to Franklin Barbecue. It was either John or Aaron slicing the meats. Uh, Stacy, Aaron's wife, was uh, running the register and getting the sides. It was a very mom and pop. I mean, they're still a very small operation considering how much volume they do. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you. I, yes, as, as Ryan poked me earlier, I was not born in Texas. I've lived here since I was eight years old, so uh, fairly close to to a native. But no, I'm not a native, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm a New Yorker originally, um, and I grew up eating bad barbecue, steam table barbecue. It wasn't something that you know that we ate often. It was whenever you know no one felt like cooking, let's just go grab some barbecue, and it was your usual you know shoe leather brisket that you covered in sauce. I was saying lots of sauce. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so barbecue was never a big thing for me for, for a really long time, and. Uh, 
wife and I, right around the time of our first anniversary, decided to spend a weekend in Austin and in Fredericksburg. And uh, about a month before, we'd gotten uh, Bon Appetit magazine in the mail and said, oh, the best barbecue in the world, or in America, or whatever it was, is being served in Austin. And so I read the article, and you know, you know, the whole story of Aaron Franklin, which we've all heard, we won't rehash it here. Um, and so I said, well, this, this might be fun, let's let's give it a shot. You know, oh, I heard there's a line, that's kind of cool, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, the, the line then is not what the line is now. I was going to say, it wasn't, it wasn't about the line then, it no, was about eating the barbecue. it was about eating the barbecue. Yeah. And uh, we got there the first time, I'd say about 9.30, 9.45, and we were one of the first five people in line, which if you've been to Franklin Barbecue anytime in the last few years, it's pretty laughable. Um, I drove by there last weekend at 9.50, there was at least 100 people in line at that time. And that was on a Thursday. But uh, waited and waited our turn in line. You know, I ordered too much brisket, too much, you know, you know, too much meat because honestly, I had no idea how to order barbecue at that point, especially from a pounds, you know, from a per pound perspective. And I, you know, that first bite, and it was, it was different than anything I'd ever tasted in barbecue. Uh, and uh, I remember that whole weekend we stayed at a bed and breakfast in Fredericksburg. And I was just eating cold brisket out of the fridge that entire weekend, which was just strange for me at the time. Now it's pretty normal behavior, but uh, but at the yeah, time, sometimes more than one restaurant, two or three different yeah, restaurants and different baggies yeah, in your fridge. I, I might you know? have a few places yeah, I'm going back to kind of the fridge. drug thing, right? You know, <laughs> exactly. Different baggies with different uh, different briskets, right? And so and so the end of the end of the vacation it was our last day. They were supposed to drive back to Houston. I said, you know what? Do you mind if we go and we stand in line again and get some more barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. And my wife looked at me a little like I was crazy. Um, little, she still does. She still does. She still does. But you know, little did she know what this was going to lead to. And so she, you know, she was a good sport. She said, okay, let's go back up there. So once again, we drove from Fredericksburg to Austin. Um, got in line again about the same time. Got the same about spot in line. And, uh, you know, once again, just absolutely blown away. And it, you know, it started a, started a, you know, a big change in me as far as the barbecue, how much I ate it, how much I sought it out. You know, over the next year, I probably went to Franklin Barbecue. I don't know every two months. You know, we would, we would sometimes it'd be a day trip to Austin. Sometimes we, you know, make it a whole weekend out of it. But I went to Franklin Barbecue. I would say probably a dozen times that first year, just because it was so different from anything I tasted. And I then started eating the other barbecue. That was, you know, the first thing I did was find the Texas Monthly list, eat at the other place. And it's funny, I was telling Brian this a few weeks back. The first tweet I ever tweeted was to Texas Monthly saying, I just ate at Kreitz, Smitty's, and uh, I, I, I think the other one was Luling City Market in one day. And I ate at Franklin the next day, and it was like eating Franklin's like a different sport. It wasn't even the same category yeah it's like a whole different it's a different level. product i mean yeah, it, 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 i know that's overused but it really is it's, it's just a different tier right and, and you know and, and that's just what started for me and it's just been a you know you know you, you some might call it a downward spiral from there <laughs> um, but that, that that's what started for me and we all you know all of us you know we call them barbecue hounds and call us you know idiot, idiots idiots, idiots, idiots yeah. is a good word usually um, we say this as someone has already finished the Texas Barbecue Passport Challenge as of today, uh, June 13th, which is three weeks after the list came out. They've eaten at all, all 50, 50. All 50 all places. All 50 places. It's just amazing. And we've been planning it out and trying to figure our weekends and even taking right. time off, taking valued vacation time just to go eat barbecue. Right. I mean, yeah. What kind of idiots are we? Yeah. Uh, but so, other than the brisket, what else did you have back then, or what do you remember? The pork ribs are, and they're to this day, they're still as good as any I've had. Um, 
I, I'd agree. Just, I mean, they, they, yeah. they've got the lock. A brisket and pork ribs, they're, they're the standard. Yeah. They're yeah. the standard by which everybody can and should be measured uh, by. They really are. I mean, and it was just, and it was the atmosphere. I mean, they said it was Aaron opening the door saying, top of the morning to you. And, you know, and, you know, talking with you in line. And I remember one of the first interactions I ever had with Aaron Franklin was, you know, he was asking me what we were doing. I said, well, I'm eating your barbecue today. <laughs> and I said, what would you be doing if you weren't working? He said, I'd probably be at Snow's or Louis Miller. And that's 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 typically Aaron Franklin, if you know the man at all, at all. And not to say that we're best of friends, but if you know the man at all, you know how much he respects the tradition of barbecue. And uh, that's something we'll get into at a later episode is uh, what is Franklin barbecue? You know, what does what is what does he want it to be? It's you know a lot of people call it hipster barbecue, yeah, but he's and really. We don't call it hipster. I think I it's a perfect meat market. Absolutely, meat market, um, not tradition, but kind of a, a respect to the meat market tradition. Yes. It, it's, it's easy to you know to label Aaron Franklin as the hipster because he's got you know oh hipster glasses and he wears chucks or whatever. But you know what kind of shoes the man wears. Yeah. That's that's a little creepy. Hey, everyone. Just saying. Does. Just saying. You've seen one of the thousand interviews he's done, <laughs> but. You know, Franklin Barbecue doesn't do anything fancy. They've got your standard barbecue meats. They've got your standard barbecue sides, and that's what they do. They, you know, they don't do pickled red onions. You're not going to get house made charcuterie from that. It's just no, they've they perfected what what the goal was. I imagine again, I don't know him personally, but the goal was meat market style barbecue perfected, and that's why they still serve the Mrs. Baird's or buttercream. What is it, Mrs. Baird's? I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they still serve the standard grocery store style white bread that. You know, for for people that eat a lot of barbecue, that's not surprising um, at all. But it was funny because I, I had somebody from out of state. They didn't understand. They were like, "Why do places serve that?" They didn't even know. Yep. And it's like it goes back to that tradition yeah. of meat market. Well, and then if you think about it, who's the crazy one? The person that spends all their time making artisan pickles that they're giving away for free, or Aaron Franklin and his classics that he just opens up the jar for you for? I mean, it's a, you can look at it from both ways, but either way... You know, well, I, I think, and, and not to go again, we'll talk about that a little more in a future episode, but it's kind of like that's where barbecue is, is going simply because you can't beat Aaron Franklin at that game. Right. At the game of, of what he's doing, you can't. So I think that, and it's not because people want to try to beat him, but it's because they're... they're they can't perfect the brisket anymore, right. so move on to something else. And, and in a crowded market, you find different ways to stand out, whether that's a unique pickled item or whether that's a unique cut of meat that you're serving that no one else is serving. You know, obviously, we've talked about pastrami on these podcasts before. That's another thing that's gotten really popular. But in a, you know, in a market like this, you do what you can to stand out. And, you know, against your, you know, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it is competition. You know, you, you want to you want to be respected amongst your peers, and you want to offer something different because otherwise, you know, what's going to get the diners to the door? Other, if you don't live, you know, if you're not convenient for them to get to. And, and again, you talked about you know, what Franklin did and, and what he perfected in the time that he did it back then, you know, he really was a trailblazer as far as getting to that level. Today, there's a lot of barbecue that, you know, some people would say it's comparable. I think it's perfectly comparable. And menus that are wider that may have more variety on the menus. So there's no longer that that requirement, need for people like us to have to go to Franklin. We'll still do it every year because, you know, the line is, is its own thing. And we'll talk about that in the experience of Franklin barbecue. But you know, there's there's some great barbecue, great brisket around Texas now, yeah. great ribs, great other sides, sides that Franklin doesn't even do and they don't need to do. 
you know, uh, items like beef cheeks and like you mentioned, pastrami. So there's plenty of places that we don't have to spend an entire day devoted to going and eating at. Oh, absolutely. And it, it goes back to what you talked about with expectations. As the line has grown at Franklin Barbecue, it gets harder, especially for people like us who eat so much barbecue, it gets harder for Franklin Barbecue to hit that, that mark of expectations. Because the longer you have to wait for it and the more you have to plan your day around eating it, the higher the expectations are. And it's gotten to the point now where... For me, anyway, Franklin Barbecue, it has to be the best thing I've ever eaten every single time I go there. Otherwise, why am I going there? Because if I can get comparable brisket, comparable ribs, and a comparable menu or, or a more expansive menu at another place with much less time dedication to waiting in line and getting there early, then it, you know it's hard to justify. And uh, you know, so I'm selling Brian. I went to Micklewaite on third last Thursday. And I drove by Franklin Barbecue to get there because if you've ever been to Milkway, you literally passed Franklin Barbecue on the way there. There was 100 people in line at Franklin an hour and over an hour before opening, and I drove to Mickleway, and I felt like a dope because I'm the only person in line. My wife and I were the only. Well, you're people a dope there. regardless. Well, I, well this know, is true. <laughs> you're a dope for doing what we do in the first place, right? But, but yeah, and, and same thing. I was at Corkscrew last week, and we got there at about a quarter after ten, which I thought was going to be incredibly late on a Saturday. Same thing, and you know, we I got number fifteen in line. Right, and to be clear, these are the number seven and number eight joints on the top on the top fifty list. You know, so you're talking about the number two joint on the top 50 list has 100 people in line over an hour before opening, and combined at the number seven and number eight joints, you had 15 people in line at that same time. It's, and, it's just and kind of amazing. And barbecue that's that's perfectly pleasing. I mean, oh, absolutely. Very good experiences. Now, one of the things you touched on was in the past, Franklin was actually greeting people himself, obviously cutting the meat. You know, the volume of what they've done has grown. I think they're up to five five of the pits now. Um, they're serving as many people as they can out of that facility. And so they've had to change a little bit. But one of the things, of course, is that Franklin tries to make the line as bearable as possible. And the line itself is is a feature. It's part of what you go for is that whole experience of the line. And I'm not kidding. It, it is part of the Franklin experience. You, if you go and buy your, your pre-purchased food to go in the large quantities you're not going to get the same experience as a Franklin material. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's, it's absolutely part of what you go there for these days. You know, it absolutely is. But let's uh, let's get into some other barbecue experiences that we've had, good and bad. Um, you know, obviously, if you eat as much barbecue as, as Brian and I do, not every experience is going to be the greatest you've ever had, especially if, you know, what we, you know, what we try to do, as we talked about in our road trip podcast last week, is, you know, we try to hit up places we haven't been before, which sometimes has really great results. Sometimes not so much. Um, we've had some some pretty unique experiences, some pretty rough experiences. Well, the the roughest, you know, I'll I'll, I'll start with that. Um, a place that was well received, and, and we had warning of, of what to order and what not to order there. Right. Um, we knew better. Our first visit, they were out of brisket, um, so we didn't get to experience the brisket. For thank goodness, um, the rest of the food was was phenomenal. To be honest, I mean. Pork steak and chicken and sausage that were all great. Uh, the next trip we went out and we, we were there early enough to get the brisket. And um, I, I don't know if I can even explain the brisket there. It was uh, just like this bizarre creature that I, it was it, it was freaky. An, it was an odd color. It was an even odder texture, and it was an even odder flavor. 
Um, and when you put those three things together, it's one of the worst bites of barbecue I think we've ever had. Um, one of the few places we truly didn't bring it home for chopped beef or anything. No, I mean, we, absolutely we threw not. That, and, and the rest of the food there was great. There's no no problem right. at all right. with anything else there. It was just right. the brisket, which was odd. And, and it goes back to one of the tips we had last week in the, in the Road Trip podcast is know where you're going, know what they do well, and, and try as much as you can to stick to those things because you could end up regretting it if you don't. Um, yeah, but we've been we've been all over Texas. We've been to small towns, to large towns. We've seen lots of different things. Um, I know one place that we went to in a large city um, was one of our more memorable experiences. They have a list that's literally a page long of rules of what you can order, how much it will cost you, um, and then they are as as specific as if you want this with lean brisket and wheat bread, it's sixty cents. Yeah, lean, lean was an upcharge. Chopped beef was an upcharge. So if you wanted lean chopped beef, you had to pay two, right, two upcharges. Up and, and if you wanted sauce, you that, got one sauce container for free. Right, it's a sauce right. policy like McDonald's. Right. And then yeah, it, you know, if you wanted to you know, add wheat bread, it was this much. White bread, it was this much. If you wanted this, you can't have it. If you want, I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, so it was kind of order intimidation before we'd even ordered, and then by the time we did order, uh, well, it was about what we expected by that point. Uh, well, and, and ironically, we put it on the list because we looked at Yelp reviews, and you know yep. that was our yep. it was it was our sole guiding device to that particular restaurant. We we had other restaurants we'd lined up, and we had better knowledge of. This one, none of us had been to before. It had a very high rating, so we figured, yeah, you know, let's let's believe Yelp. Um, Yelp is both uh, positive and negative as far as being a useful tool. This case was a very, very bad, <laughs> bad example of it because the entire right. experience there was poor. It right. wasn't just that right. the food was bad; it but was con- the whole thing. Know, conversely, on the exact same trip, you know, we we made it down to Nixon and uh, and went to Pioneer Barbecue, which is a really nice trip for us. Um, if you guys have never been down there, we uh, we definitely recommend going there. It's it's not on the way to pretty much anything in the world, but uh, it's a, it's a great little small town, and right there in you know kind of the main street of the town, it's a little barbecue joint called Pioneer. Um, you know, good solid brisket, good ribs. Um, last time we were there, there was a, like a 19 year old girl running the pits because the pitmaster was on his honeymoon. You know, it's it's it it's, it's funny just to go to these small towns and hear these stories of. You know, they, you, know, you know, that's who they trusted with their pits. You know, it's, it's someone that had been working there for a while. And so you, you hear these, you know, these different stories every time you go to these places. And uh, and it's just fun to see these you know, small Texas towns that go about it a different way. Like, you, you're never going to go to a Nickelweight or to uh, Franklin or, or to Killens and, and find a story like that. They, you know, but, but in these small towns, you'll get things like that. And it's just one of those unique experiences that, that's always stuck with us. And another one is um, Schulenburg City Market. So, you know, we went there, and in these little city markets, a lot of times open up at as early as 8 o'clock, but they really don't have the brisket ready. They have sausage, and that's about it right. in the mornings. But that's ambiance here in the background, by the way. Again, we are at uh, Dinner Rush at uh, Gatlin's here in Houston, just to remind you guys. You know, we don't have a fancy studio, so this is this is how we do it. Sorry, you just have to deal with it. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, that trip to Schulenburg, we, we met a gentleman named Arthur who worked formerly at, I think it was Kreitz or Smitty's. I think it was Kreitz. Right. It was right about the split up between the two families. Right. So there wasn't a there wasn't a Kreitz and a Smitty's. It was just Kreitz at the time. And he, 
he gave us some pretty good stories uh, back in the day. We'd love to go back and see that. And that's one of those things where your expectations are, are sort of middle of the road. Not, you know, not to demean the restaurant by any means, but they're not. You know, you don't see them as number one on Texas Monthly Top Fifty. In fact, you know, they may not even be on the Top Fifty. Places like Pioneer, same thing. It doesn't mean you should pass them by and only eat at those Top Fifty places because Absolutely. that whole experience can be so great. Oh yeah, no, the, you know, the Top Fifty list is a great guide to go off of. You know, but I, I'll be the first to tell you, there's going to be some places probably in the top 50 that you won't love, and there's going to be places that, are, that aren't on the top 50 that are going to blow you away of, wow, how did they not make it? You know, and so that's, you know, it's barbecue, it's subjective, so you're always going to get that, but uh, it's about finding those those hidden gems or those overlooked places that, that really makes what we do fun for us. And another really, really memorable one was Praza. Um, Prowza Meat Market when we went in and you know, they Prowza is a Prowzy I'm not sure how to pronounce I, it I, I tried to Google it we haven't been back there. All right. we've well. only been a, I think three times now but um, you know it's a it's a true meat market they were actually breaking down a cow um, part of a cow on the tables in between the behind the counters that you could see um, you know the bone saw was out I mean it was, it was it was very real the meat sitting in the counter ready to go and serving the local community not you know fans of barbecue that are doing big barbecue road trips you know no longer on the top 50 but uh, the sausage is really good and it, it's a place i would i would go back and the i remember they, they had those old uh, meat ads right the old flyers yeah. from uh, well, like the, the 70s the butcher block itself is a story i mean the, you know we were talking to the owners you know, the butcher block was passed down from generation to generation the butcher block's probably 80 years old at this point you know so just 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 seeing that type of barbecue history for us is just such a such a thrill you know and then i mean like brian was saying earlier every time you turn around there's a new barbecue joint opening so i mean there are places that open too late to be on the list uh, 12 bones which is marco marco oglesby's new new uh, food truck in austin just opened here recently um if you're not familiar with marco's work he worked at opie's for a while uh worked at the uh, christ and brian for a while uh, he's, he's got quite the barbecue resume and he's now uh doing his own thing there in Austin and you now it's a place that's on our list to hit you know sometime hopefully in the near future um, but Black Iron Eats and Pflugerville Black John Iron, Brotherton's new place yep you know, John Brotherton is the no no uh, stranger to the Texas barbecue world um, you know he's he's been in the business uh, for quite a long time uh, doing some really unique stuff up in Pflugerville now um, so you know, that's that's another one that you know we recommend if you're on a North Austin trip it's absolutely worth the stop in um, but yeah. John Miller's black box. John Miller is back. John Miller's back uh, in Georgetown. Yep, John, John Miller is back, uh, it, doing his thing. You know, you know that sausage at John Miller's place is, uh, you know, one of the most unique sausages you're going to get anywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's there's stuff that opening in Houston all the time too. I mean, you never know from week to week, month to month, what's coming in next. And you know, not all of it's great. Some of them come come and go quickly. You know, uh, Midtown Barbecue came and went really fast here in Houston, and you know. There's been quite a few joints that have, you know, not not had the staying power, but uh, but there's always something something new to be on, you know, on the horizon that that we're looking out for, and we'll let you know about that as we, you know, as we start hitting these places too. Yeah, just don't have unrealistic expectations, and you might be surprised, might be blown away even. Right, right. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, and uh, we'll, we'll call it a day here, but we'll. Uh, 
we're going to be doing some exciting interviews here these next few weeks as we uh, hit, we're hitting the road here pretty soon. Um, we're going to be interviewing some uh, some out of town pitmasters, maybe some in town and Houston pitmasters as well. Um, you know, some people that can bring a unique perspective to to what they do, uh, and hopefully give you guys some insight into you know what makes successful barbecue. Um, so we're looking to get you guys some interesting stories, some uh, you know some insight, and you know hopefully we'll be learning as we're doing it, and hopefully you guys improving will be our too. audio quality as we go. I'm sure. Yeah, I think <laughs> it'll know? be quieter next time. Um, but uh, but you guys keep eating, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. See y'all on the barbecue trail.